book of Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 27, and Revelation chapter number 3. I was preaching our Indiana District Conference Friday night, and I went into the service. And you know, I have two things that are, that are uh, bothering me the most. One is my memory's getting worse, and my eyes are getting worse is the other one. And so I got in the uh, sanctuary, and they had put these cards to advertise a district event. They had put them on the seats, and I was trying to figure out what it said, and I remembered that I forgot my glasses. And so the two things I struggle with the most, so I had to go back to my room and get my glasses so I could see. And that stuff just happens, so you just going to have to get used to it. But uh, I almost preached their sermon to you. Then I had to preach your sermon to them, and we'd all been messed up. Hebrews 12 and 27, Revelation 3, verses 1 through 3. If you found Hebrews 12 and 27, say praise the Lord. I mean, y'all seem a little tired today. Um, I'm a little tired today. Got in late last night. We buried a dear friend, a lifelong friend yesterday in Indiana, a pastor's wife that uh, we, Sarah and I, grew up with. We hope that you'll pray for Brother Wampler and the church there that uh, has lost their first lady to cancer. And so we I just got back late last night from that funeral. And so that's why you almost got someone else's sermon. Hebrews 12, 27, in this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken. As of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. You've heard the phrase, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. That's not in the Bible in that way. This is the verse that that statement comes from. Those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Everybody say remain. Amen. Revelation 3 and 1, And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God, the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which, say it with me, remain. Be watchful and, and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If thou therefore shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Strengthen the things which remain. I want to preach for a while this morning on the things which remain. Lord, I thank you for your people. What a great group of people you've given us the privilege of being in service with today. And God, that everyone that's joining us online this morning, I ask you, Lord Jesus, for the anointing of the Holy Ghost 
to anoint me to preach, anoint ears to hear and have your way, God. Confirm your word with signs following. Let the Holy Ghost be poured out. Let people be baptized in your name today. God, by the authority of your word, I pray, God, that you would do your work in this place. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise this morning as you are being seated in the presence of the Lord. The book of Revelation is a book that describes the world of the end time. The Bible says that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Perilous means dangerous times, difficult times. It would appear that the enemy has the upper hand in this generation. Culture has become wicked and pervasive. Government has become toxic. Religion is a shell of what it used to be in our nation. Folks, I am sounding an alarm this morning. It's not time to get weary in well-doing. It's not time to get tired. This is not the time to quit. This is the time to shake ourselves. This is the time to be real with ourselves about where we are in our spiritual condition. May I tell you this morning, there's nothing more important than being saved. Amen. I said there's nothing more important than being saved. God, I must be saved. Above all else, I must be saved, God. Amen. We need to allow the preaching of the word to get to our hearts. Can I preach to you a little while this morning? Amen. You need to allow me to preach the word of God into your life and into your family. We need to allow the ministry to preach messages that challenge us in our spirit. I will tell you that as a pastor, God has been dealing with me about resisting the spirit of this end time generation. This is no time for pulpits to become weak. This is no time for pastors to be sugarcoating anything. Amen. I realize we're living in a generation where people are so easily offended, but you need a man of God to get in the pulpit and resist the spirit of this generation. This is no time for weak Christians and weak churches and weak preachers and weak moms and weak dads and weak young people. This is a time for the strong to stand and be counted and say, we will serve the Lord. I wish somebody'd say amen. Hallelujah. I will tell you that God is dealing with me to resist the spirit of this end time generation. There are things that I am feeling that God is dealing with me about, that he's calling me to push back against that's happening in our world, to push against it by preaching and teaching the word of God. You have to allow the word of God and the voice of your pastor to push you away from the world and push you towards God. Amen. In the Bible, the preacher is known not for his voice, but for his feet. The prophet Isaiah said, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of them that publish the gospel. 
Paul reiterated the same words to the Romans when he said, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. May I tell you this morning that contrary to what some may believe, there is nothing pretty about grown-up feet. I understand baby feet are cute, but you're not babies. Grown-up feet are nasty. If you don't say amen, I'm going to think you're a weirdo. I said grown-up feet are nasty. But in the written love story of Solomon and his bride, the two principal characters are very much in love with each other. This book is taken as an allegory of the love between Christ and his church. So when you read about what Solomon says about his bride, you're reading things that represent how God feels, about how Jesus feels about his bride, the church. And when you read the response of the bride, it should represent the love that the church has for our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Solomon was so in love with his bride, and Jesus is so in love with his church. Solomon's bride was totally enraptured with her king, and God's church is enraptured with the king of all kings. Amen. Solomon loved to bless and encourage his bride, and we love to worship and praise our king. They were so in love with each other that they began to point out things about each other that they love, that only two people who are head over heels smitten in love with each other would say to somebody. Solomon said, your neck is like a tower. I don't get it. You are a long-necked giraffe, and it's so beautiful. I I don't understand it. But when you're really in love with people, stuff that nobody else notices means something to you. In one place, he told her, he said, your navel is like a goblet that needs no wine. I'm like, my goodness, son. I mean, that's some major love talk. Can somebody say amen? In another place, he told her that her navel was like a goblet. Your neck is like a tower. I'm like, come on, Solomon. I mean, sometimes I see people post stuff on social media. I try not to pay attention to it, but I I, I saw, I, I shouldn't say this. But my God, it's nobody in Mississippi, so I guess I can. But I saw somebody talk about how beautiful the other person was. And I looked and I said, my God, sir. Your neck is like a tower. One of my favorites is in Song of Solomon, chapter 7 and verse number 1 where it says, how beautiful are thy feet. I thought, there's no such thing. Corns and calluses. I mean, think about it. This is is when we got good shoes to wear. Back then, they wore sandals everywhere. The streets were filthy. I've been in parts of the world where they still live like they lived back then. And I'm telling you, it is absolute filth. 
Animals run the streets, and when animals run the streets, animals leave stuff on the streets. And these people walk with their sandals in the dust and the mud, the dirt and the feces and the urine of all those animals, and they get all that stuff on their feet, and it's gross. But Solomon said, how beautiful are thy feet. I'm like, Solomon, you are out of your mind, sir. If you think feet are beautiful, you got problems. But then he wasn't as out of his mind as I thought he was. He said, how beautiful are thy feet with shoes. (laughs) Baby, don't take your shoes off. I love you and you're beautiful. Your neck is like a tower and your navel's like a goblet. But my Lord, don't take your shoes off. I don't want to see those dirty, smelly, callous feet. You're beautiful, but keep your shoes on. I'm going to tell you, the church is beautiful in the eyes of our Savior. But the church is only beautiful when she keeps her shoes on. Amen. Ephesians 6.15, have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The shoes of the church is the gospel. Amen. The shoes that we wear is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if the church ever quits preaching the gospel, the church is no longer beautiful in the eyes of our Savior. The bride of Christ only has beautiful feet when we have our shoes on. Amen. Two things you need me to preach to you as your pastor. Y'all all right this morning? Amen. Why don't you just wave your hand and wake yourself up a little bit? You have to free the pastor to be led by the Spirit and preach what the Holy Ghost tells him. There are some things that God will call on me to emphasize in the Holy Ghost that will be uncomfortable to our flesh, but we have to resist what's going on in the end time, and you need to allow me to preach whatever God gives me from the Word of God and say, okay, pastor, if that's what the Holy Ghost is telling us, then you preach it to me because I want to be saved, and I want to be right with God, and I want to do the work of God. Amen. The second thing you have to allow me to preach is you have to allow me to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know those of you that have been around here a long time, 75 years this church has been here, and a lot of you have been here for a long time, but you need to allow me to preach Acts 2.38 every time I get a chance. I know you've heard it a thousand times. I know you can quote it from heart. I know you understand it. But somebody in this place today has never heard that message preached. And they deserve to hear it today just as much as you deserve to hear it when you came to the house of God. We never outgrow the need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preached. It's the most important message. It's the most important thing that we can preach. And I know you've heard it before, but every time we say that there is one God and his name is Jesus, you ought to still say amen. I know you know it, but somebody here doesn't. Amen. There are people that come to this church that have been lied to over pulpits for their whole life. They've never been told about the power of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. There's people watching right now in their homes, on their phones, on their devices, and they've never heard what you've been privileged to hear week after week. 
You need to allow me to preach it and you still say amen and still get excited and still say praise the Lord because that's the message that sets captives free. That's the message that breaks chains of it. Oh God, I feel it right now. Amen. I feel like preaching it right now. The gospel is the saving message of Jesus Christ. I know, look, I preach to you all every week. It is a struggle. It is a struggle to try to find sermons for good people that live for God and have heard everything. Year after year, we've had the best preachers come through. We've had Bishop Wilson and his daddy. We've had the best preachers come through this church over and over, evangelists and pastors and teachers, and you've heard the best. And it is a struggle every week to feel like i got to find something uh, that will reach them. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, there better never be pressure to outdo Acts 2.38, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. I wish somebody'd say praise the Lord right now. I wish somebody lift your voice and thank God that somebody preached Acts 2:38 to you. Maybe it was in a Sunday school class when you were a baby. Maybe it was in a youth class when you were a teenager or maybe it was right here in these pews that a preacher got up and told you what you had to do. You ought to wave your hand to heaven and say God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you that I got the gospel. Amen. I was, I was in Egypt just a couple of weeks ago. And while we were there, we were meeting with, a, with a, a good man and his wife. Bless their hearts. They had opened their home up to us. And we were sitting there eating. And, uh, and man, they, 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 they didn't have what we have. They didn't have what we had. In a city of nine million people, they lived in a neighborhood that had nothing but dirt roads. I mean, it is, it, is, it is not what we're accustomed to here. But those sweet people took us in their home and they gave us everything they could. They cooked for us. And, and, and I could not, he kept piling food on my plate and I kept telling him, I can't, and I can't eat it. I can't eat another bite. And he wanted to give us everything that he had. And then when we got done with that, we went to sit down and then they bring out plates of, of fruit. They're trying their best. I felt like the calf when the prodigal came home, the fatted calf. I thought they're fattening me up for something and I'm not sure I want to know what it is. <laughs> but while we sat there with that sweet pastor and his wife who have, who have completely turned their lives over to Jesus Christ, but they had never heard what we've been privileged to hear. They're illegally having church meetings in the bottom floor of their home because they know God wants them to do something and, they, and, and that their Muslim nation needs to hear the message of Jesus Christ. And these sweet people were sitting in their living room and Brother Zar and I begin to talk to them. And as we begin to talk, they begin to cry. And we go down and they fill up a little, a little kid's swimming pool in the, in the bottom floor of their house. And we get to baptize that pastor and his wife in the Jesus name, Holy Ghost, apostolic message. And to watch that sweet man a little older than I am, sit on his sit sit in the on his floor in that in that little kid's swimming pool, and tears run down his face as he's being able to be baptized in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, there is life changing power in this message. There is life changing power in this gospel, and we better never get tired 
You ought to be excited. Somebody's getting ready to hear it for the first time today. Somebody's getting ready to hear it for the first time. So we can't afford. Look, our mission is to preach Acts 2.38. Our mission is to reach people that have never heard it before. So we can't afford to get tired of it. We can't afford to let it get to a point where it doesn't mean anything to us. Amen. When the power of God is preached, you ought to say amen. Because your amen is validation that what I'm preaching really does change lives. When I preach that Jesus can break addictions, everybody that's ever been addicted in this place, you ought to shout and say amen because that's your testimony that what I'm preaching really works. When I preach that the Holy Ghost is joy, then when you ever, if you ever got joy, when you got filled with the Holy Ghost, you ought to wave your hand and say amen or shout or something to let somebody know what he's preaching is real. It really works. It's really real. I've come to tell you the Holy Ghost is real. The presence of what you're feeling right now is real. Oh, Lord, I can tell this sermon, this sermon is, is, is shot right now. Amen. I, I was sitting, I, I have a friend in Indiana, a pastor that I met several years ago when I was preaching at a, at a pastor's retreat. And this pastor, he was telling me how he was in the army and he was stationed in, in England. And while there, he met an apostolic soldier. And that apostolic soldier, he, he, this, this man told me that his wife, his wife had told him she was leaving as soon as she could get the money to come back home. She was leaving because he spent their entire paycheck every week on, on getting drunk. And that his commanding officer came to him and said, son, if you don't change, we're going to have to kick you out of the army. He, he could not, he, he was so bound by that addiction that he could not break free. He was losing his wife and his baby. He was losing everything that he had. He said, Brother V, I could not get free from it. He said, but there was another soldier that was there, and that soldier began to tell me about the Holy Ghost and Jesus' name baptism. He said, I, he asked me if I'd go to his church with him, and so I went to church with him, and God filled me with the Holy Ghost. He said, God turned my life around. When he got the Holy Ghost, God set him free from alcoholism. When he got the Holy Ghost, God set him free from his bondage. I'm telling you what I'm preaching really works. It's not just a religious, it's not just a religious speech. What I'm preaching to you really changes people's lives. He quit drinking. He quit drinking from that moment. He went home and told his wife what God had done. God filled him with the, and she said, you're crazy. You are crazy. Just a few hours ago, he was crazy for being an alcoholic. Now he's crazy for being an apostolic. If you're going to be crazy for being an ick of some kind, don't be crazy for being alcoholic. Be crazy for being apostolic. Amen. It's not bad to be crazy if you're the right kind of crazy. If I'm the kind of crazy that puts my family back together, then call me crazy. If I'm the kind of crazy that makes me want to shout for joy, then call me crazy. I've become a fool for Christ because what I found really works. I said what I found really works. It's real. It's real. Man, God turned his life around. And so he went, 
he talked his wife into going to a church service with him. And, uh, and on the way to church, he said, sweetheart, I got to tell you, I got to get out of the army. She, because he, he's from Michigan. He was from Michigan originally. He said, I got to get out of the army. I got to go to Michigan. He said, nobody there knows about this. He said, we're going to have to go tell everybody because, and I, he, he said, we, we're just going to have to go. And she's like, you're out of your mind. She still hadn't repented or anything. So he goes to the church service. And when he gets there, he said that, that, that they had a preacher that was visiting their church and his name was Roland Baker. And when they said Pontiac, Michigan, he said, there's two of us. He said he sat there and his wife was beside him and she hadn't repented and she was so cold and she was not, not freezing cold like I am right now, but cold. And she's and, and, and cold spiritually and she's just like looking around thinking these people are crazy. And he's, he, bow, he kneels down at the altar call and he kneels down and he says, God, if this is real, you got to let me know because I don't want to get in this for a year and then realize that these people are crazy. He said, so if this is real, you got to let me know. And he said, about, the, about that time, somebody tapped him on the shoulder and Bishop Baker said, son, the Holy Ghost told me to tell you that this is real. And if you'll turn around and look, God's getting ready to show, and he turned around and looked, and his wife was filled with the Holy Ghost as soon as he turned around. There's power, I'm telling you, there's power in this message. What I'm preaching really works. It's not snake oil. It's not some fad. What I'm talking about has worked since the upper room in the day of Pentecost. It worked for these people, and it worked for these people, and it worked for these people, and it worked for these people. What I preached is really the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I've come to tell somebody in this place or somebody watching online, and you're wondering what it's going to take to get your life together. This is exactly what it takes. This is the medicine for your soul, and it's real. Amen. I, I want to have, you, you may be seated. I, I, I want to have a little testimony service right now. Amen. We used to do testimony services when I was growing up, and we quit doing them because people don't know when to stop. We had one guy, he, he gave a word of testimony. His word of testimony was 60 minutes long. He gave like 10 million words of testimony. So my pastor growing up quit having testimony service because they don't testify. They complain or they drone on and on generally. I'm not talking about you folks. I'm talking about way back up there where they say you guys instead of y'all and they don't drink sweet tea. So don't get mad at me right now. But we're going to do a little different testimony service right now. I wonder if there's anybody in this place that was ever bound by an addiction of any kind that would stand to your feet and praise God as a testimony that what I'm preaching really sets captives free. It's real, folks. What I'm preaching is real. You may not understand why they're acting like they are, but when you've been set free, you'll know it. When you taste of it, you'll know it's the best thing. It's the best thing. Look around. What I'm preaching about is something. I'm not telling you a story from Africa. I'm not telling you a story from Asia. I'm telling you a story from Potts Camp, Mississippi, that God is a deliverer. It's real. It's real. It's real. It's real. It's the power of the gospel. 
when they said, tell us what we have to do. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's a promise for you, sir. It's a promise for you, ma'am. It's real. Oh, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. You might be sitting here and you might be saying like what they said in the book of Acts chapter number 2 and verse 13. They said, what does this mean? And you, this, may, this may be your first time witnessing something like this. And you may be saying, what is all that shouting? What is all that noise? What's all that running? What just happened? Why did those folks just take off? And you're in your mind, you're saying, what is all this? What does this mean? I'm going to tell you what it means. It means the Holy Ghost is real and it gives people something to shout about. Amen. I said it gives people a reason to be happy. It gives people a reason to have joy. Hey, what God did in my life, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. It's the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. It's the grace and mercy of God manifested in my soul. He picked me up. He turned me around. He set my feet on solid ground. He cleaned me up. He gave me a song. He gave me joy. It's real. It's real. It's real. It's real. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In, in just a moment, in just a moment. Amen. I'm telling you that what happens when the Holy Ghost begins to move into a room, what happens when the Holy Ghost begins to move into a room and begins to touch somebody's life? It's the most important transaction that has ever happened in the history of the universe when somebody comes in bringing burdens and shame and guilt and sin and all the things that are against the nature of God. But Jesus Christ steps into the room and he says, give me all that stuff. Give me all that burden. Give me all that pain. Give me all that stuff that nobody wants to have to carry. And in return, I'm going to give you the greatest gift that has ever been given. I'm telling you, that's a trade you ought to make every time. There's somebody sitting here right now, and in your mind, you're counting the cost, and you're wondering, do I really want to jump in this all the way, or do I not want to? I'm telling you, if you'll jump in and you'll get involved, God will turn your life around. Don't sit on the fence. Just go ahead and jump in and say, it's the Holy Ghost. I wish somebody'd shout right now. I wish somebody that knows what I'm preaching is real would just say praise the Lord. There's somebody in this place. God's getting ready to turn your family around. I'm talking to you in the Holy Ghost. God's getting ready to set somebody on free, on fire, and set them free today. Oh, come on, somebody worship the Lord. Come on, somebody praise the Lord. Oh, somebody praise the Lord. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise right now. Can you take some time and praise him? Amen. Somebody ought to praise the Lord right now. Somebody ought to thank him because when the Holy Ghost moved into your life, it filled you with power and joy. Am I preaching the, am I preaching the truth to anybody? Is there anybody that says, is there anybody here that you found that what I'm preaching is the true, blue, real McCoy that came to your life? 
Oh, yes, uh, it's real. I've come to tell somebody. Yeah, I've come to tell somebody. I, I, I'm not going to finish this. Sir. I'll finish it some other day. But I will tell you, I will tell you that if you are searching for real in your life, if you are searching for something that's greater than your trial and greater than your problem, uh, and you've been to church time and time again, and you left disappointed because you couldn't feel anything, and you couldn't tell that God was there, you've come to the right place today, baby, because where you've come is the house of the living God where we believe in the power and the grace and the mercy of God it is the time hey it's the time of refreshing right now there's a wave of the Holy Ghost moving in this place hey I've come to tell somebody that's weary there's a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost getting ready to fall in this place right now you ought to throw your hand up in the air and say God I'm ready for my fresh anointing God, I'm ready for my fresh baptism. I, I would to God the Holy Ghost would fall from the front to the back, from the left to the right. God, let a oh, I feel it. I feel a wave of the Holy Ghost. You ought to throw your hands up wherever you are and say, God, baptize me one more time. I've come to preach to people that feel cold and distant from God. You ought to throw your hands up right now and say, God, I'm here for my fill-up. I'm here for my fresh anointing. I'm here for my fresh baptism. Oh, that's right. Come on. This is your moment. This is your time. This is your hour. This is it right now. Let there be deliverance. Everybody lift your hands to heaven. Oh God, I praise you. Oh, come on, that's right. There's fresh anointing being poured out here. I speak deliverance over this congregation. In the name of Jesus, I bind alcoholism. I bind drug addiction. I bind it in the name of Jesus Christ by the authority of the word of God. I cast it out by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray for the anointing of joy and gladness to come on somebody right now. I pray for the anointing of joy and gladness to come on somebody that's been battling depression and overwhelming sense of condemnation. I deliver you from it by the name of Jesus Christ and by the blood of the Lamb. You ought to throw your hands up in the air right now and say, God, I receive my joy. I receive it in Jesus' name. God, I thank you. Oh God, I thank you. Oh God, I thank you. Oh yes, that's right. Go ahead, open your mouth and let a fresh anointing fall on you. Amen, that's right. Open your mouth and let a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost fall on you. Let a fresh touch from heaven touch you today. In the name of Jesus, that's right. Go ahead, in the name of the Lord.
Jesus. Hallelujah. I want everybody in this place, if you will, lift your hands to heaven. There's some folks that you came in here and you came in on empty. You came in struggling and searching. Some of you are brand new and some of you have served God your whole life. And you find yourself in a place where you are struggling. The word of the Lord is strengthen that which remains. You wouldn't be here if there wasn't something still in you. You wouldn't be here if there wasn't something still inside. You think you have nothing, but there is still a residue of his presence inside of you or you wouldn't have come today. You may think you came to make somebody else happy. You may think you came because it's your habit, but really what it is, God knows there's a residue still inside of you and he says, strengthen that which remains. So what I'm gonna ask is that person that I've just talked to, that you feel so empty, you don't have to come to the altar if you don't want to, but I want you to lift your hands where you are and begin to say, God, strengthen what remains. God, I don't feel like I have much left, but will you strengthen what I do have? God, I don't feel like I got a lot to offer right now. I don't feel like I got a lot left inside of me. I'm not sure. But God, I want to strengthen what remains. Pour a fresh anointing out in this place, God. In the name of Jesus, speak a fresh word for somebody's soul right now. Oh, that's right. This whole building is an altar. This whole building is a prayer room right now. Strengthen what remains. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord, I pray, move through the pews of this church. God, there are good people facing battles. These are good people, oh God, that are facing difficulties. God, I pray let the Holy Ghost move through the pews of this church, through the aisles and the altar. And God, strengthen people. Strengthen people, oh God. Strengthen marriages, strengthen husbands and wives, moms and dads, grandparents. That's right, come on, let's pray all over this place. There's some folks that need a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost. God came to strengthen what remains. God's not through with you and God hasn't written you off and God hasn't decided that you're no good anymore. God has come to strengthen what's left inside of you. God, let a fresh anointing of peace come on somebody. God, I pray in the name of the Lord. Speak peace to somebody's troubled soul, God. 
Speak peace to somebody's troubled spirit, Lord. Oh, yes. Oh, that's right. Pray, pray for somebody close to you. Maybe it's a husband and wife sitting by each other. But why don't you begin to pray? God's come to breathe fresh anointing into somebody's soul today. In the name of the Lord God, by the authority of your word. God, let a fresh wind of the Holy Ghost. Let a fresh wind of the Holy Ghost. into somebody's soul today, God. Oh, that's right. Go ahead, sir. Go ahead, ma'am. I know you might feel a little uncomfortable, but go ahead and just let the Lord work.
says, then they that gladly received the word were baptized. When the Holy Ghost is preached, when the word of God is preached, and you gladly receive the word, the proper response is to be baptized if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm excited. We got two being baptized already. Amen. And if you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, today should be your day.